0: Hello, welcome to CPP Chat, the first video podcast for C developers by C developers. And we certainly do have a C developer with us here today. But before we get to that, John's here as usual to read this week's disclaimer.
1: The content of this episode is confidential and intended for the recipients referred as our audience only. It is strictly forbidden to share any part of this episode with any third party without a written consent of the episode's producers you receive this episode by mistake, please reply to this episode and follow with its deletion so that we can ensure such a mistake does not occur in the
0: future. Now, I should say we've actually had a bit of feedback about your disclaimers, John. <laughs> in, in fact, they, they seem to fall into two camps. Uh, the, yes. the first camp, uh, they say they, they really love your disclaimers, uh, <laughs> that the thing they look forward to in every show, and they want to know where you get your material from. But the other Well, camp, that's,
1: that's what Google's for, right? <laughs> it's to find, <laughs> to find disclaimers that are complete nonsense and, and take out the words, whatever the original sense is, and insert the word episode.
0: <laughs> right, but the other camp say so they don't understand your disclaimers uh, and they're not sure why, why they're in the show.
1: That's so, right, because some of them are going to worry that They're going to take it seriously when I say, you know, do not share this episode or any part of this episode. Um,
0: So I think we should start putting a disclaimer at the front of the show to say (laughs) this this show may contain disclaimers.
1: (laughs) Yes, I think that's brilliant.
0: (laughs) I should also just take the opportunity before we get started to uh, apologize for some of the recent gaps in the episodes. If you've been listening regularly, you'll notice that we haven't had much material out in the last couple of months. Uh, the, the last episode we did do was with Hov uh, with Sutter at CppCon. Now, we did do another episode at CppCon, and unfortunately we had a bit of an accident with the, the master audio, and I'm trying to recover what I can from uh, an iPhone backup, but um, I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to succeed with that or not. And we also did an episode in uh, in San Diego a couple of weeks back that I just haven't had time to to edit yet because I've been traveling ever since. So I'm probably going to complete this episode first, so... I'm telling you now that we'll be um, doing some of the episodes out out of order uh, and then hopefully we'll get back on track again after that. But uh, don't worry, we will be back onto a a regular schedule, I think.
1: Right. The goal, of course, is once a week, but when we get in a conference season, it's really hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, Really hard for us to do that. Um, So anyway, this week's guest is uh, someone that has been wanting to be on the show for a long time. He keeps begging us to be on the show, and we. Kept running out of reasons to put him off. So, Bjarne. <laughs> uh, Hi. Well, welcome to the show. I hope this I- improves your recognition among C++ programmers, because <laughs> I know that you have a name recognition problem there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to do a, a little roundup of, of stuff going on in the world, and then we'll we'll dig into some of the topics that we uh, selected for you. Um, on, over on Cast. Uh, they their guest this week was uh Jeff Armstutz on on CIMD rappers and Rob also announced that they are now uploading their videos or their their episodes onto youtube so i don 't think they're doing any video i think it's there's no there's no video with it but the but the show is on YouTube so that people who who enjoy listening to things by youtube can can do that um and it seems like they actually have more subscribers already than we do, <laughs> even though we've been on YouTube since our beginning, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, so we, we need to do do something about that. Now the uh, the That's competition right. is hotting up.
1: That's right. That's right. It's going to be a race now. All right. Um, so uh, we want to do a quick around what's going on with conferences. And the big thing is most of the conferences that we've had on our list are now done. Pacific++, uh, plus, plus, I think, now has – it was back in October. I think now all of its videos are on the YouTube channel for Pacific++. plus plus CppCon – I believe all our videos are now up. The uh, call for class proposals is also up. So if you're interested in being an instructor, you could look at that.
0: That's, that's uh, for next year, yeah.
1: that's for Yes, for next year's. Uh, meeting C++ uh, and Meeting Embedded, that conference has kind of just ended. Uh, I think the videos are expected soon. I don't think there's any videos up on that yet.
0: Not yet, but uh, Lightning uh, Talks are expected next week. Uh, okay. Obviously, uh, Jens does them all himself, so um, they, they can take a little while. Um, but he'll, he gets there in the end.
1: Okay. And the next one, of course, C++ on C. Um, do you have anything newsworthy to say, or are we just waiting for waiting for the conference at this point? Right? Yeah, well, it's
0: getting much closer now. It's uh, a couple of months away. Um, all the preparations are going well. Uh, it's all coming together. It's definitely feeling like a real conference. So getting really excited about it.
1: Okay. Uh, the audio developer conference also over, but I think uh, videos are now available on that as well. They are. And we have a new conference uh, a baby conference in addition to uh, c plus plus on c uh, core c plus+ has been announced for Tel Aviv, and I believe they're already accepting speakers and uh, registrations.
0: Uh, they are. So we'll yeah, speakers um, speaker submissions open till January, so got a bit of time yet, but uh, get on that.
1: okay um, and there's one other new conference that we want to talk about, and that is the China conference. This is, there's there's been a China conference, I think it's been held three times now, but this has actually been done by a different group because that group wasn't going to do it again. I don't know if they were never going to do it again or they're just taking a pause, but now a new group, UQI, uh, uh, it has a group with Pure C++, and they're going to do this in December, and so they've uh, uh, they're going to do that. And actually, I want to take a minute and give them a shout out, if you guys don't mind. Not at all. Uh, uh, hi, I'm John Kalb, and I'm here with my CPP chat co-host, Phil Nash, and this week's guest, Bjarni Struistrup. We just want to take a minute to make a shout-out to the C++ conference to be held this December in Shenzhen, hosted by Pure C++ and sponsored by Tencent.
0: So Best wishes and good luck.
1: Yeah. Um, good luck to you. Um, I actually spoke a couple of
2: times for your ancestor conference um, in uh, Shanghai. And uh, that was great fun, and there's lots of uh, great C++ in uh, in China. So uh, just make some more of it and get it up up to date and the latest. We will we'll fix the
1: language as it goes along. Thank you guys and best of luck. You know, I should say, I don't know if you remember this, Barry, but I ran into you in Shanghai. Uh, who would have figured that? But I remember no. in the hotel, we were having breakfast and and I looked up from breakfast and there was Bjarne in line at the hotel to get breakfast. I was like, yep. who, would have, who would have believed this? <laughs> what a crazy thing. It's I mean, we weren't road. there for the same event. Yeah. We weren't there for the same event. I was there to do training, and I think you, I don't know, you had a, an event you were doing or something. I don't remember yeah. why you were there. I but don't remember. I mean,
2: yeah, was Morgan purely. Stanley has an office there, and I have some contacts in the C++ world in Shanghai. And that's, I did a TEDx once, and uh,
1: <laughs> something or other. Yeah. So one other announcement that we had down. You want to talk about this, Phil? This is the JetBrains announcement.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, before I get to that, um, I should say I'm actually in the, the JetBrains office in St. Petersburg at the moment. I'm in Russia. The reason I'm here is because we have a big release of SeaLine this week, 2018.3 just being released. And uh, the big news for this release is we now have remotes working. Uh, for most platforms going to a Linux uh, remote host, uh, we'll, we'll work on more later. It's been really well received at the moment. Uh, there's quite a few other features in there as well. I just did a, a What's New video, so you can go and check that out. Trumpeter. A link in the show notes for that. So uh, if you're interested, so please check out the, the latest so, release.
1: So the use case on this is that I can be sitting at my Mac mm-hmm. editing software that is going to be executed on my Unix web host or something like that.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, just uh, most flavors of Linux are supported at the moment. You don't even have to be running a C-line there as long as they have the, the rest of the tool chain that's, that's needed and can be accessed via SSH. That's how it all runs.
1: So I can actually see the debugging. The debugging is actually, of course, happening on the on the machine that's running the software, but I'm that's seeing right. it on my machine and can yeah. actually do the debugging remotely. That's yeah, that's a that's a wonderful use case. Yeah, Great.
0: it's not just the debugging. We've had that for a while, but it's, it syncs all the files as well transparently for you as if you were working locally.
1: This is exactly when I was uh, when I was working at Amazon. This is exactly the scenario I was in, except I didn't have this tool, so I was essentially yeah, it was way cruder. Yeah, that's that's. That's terrific. All right. So uh, I think those are our announcements. Now let's talk about the main stuff. And uh, the first thing I want to kick it off with is talking about all these conferences is that your, I'm talking to Bjarne, your, your keynote uh, launching CppCon got, got you know, great reviews. And I mean better than normal uh, for uh, for for you because I think the reason is because you're actually talking a little less about C++ and more about programming generally the topic was uh, generic programming generally, and you were of course talking about concepts and how much this is gonna be supporting. Um, Did you feel when you sat down to do this that it was a a kind of a different thing for you?
2: Well, no, Um, I was in a bit of a hurry. I (laughs) wasn't sure I was going to come this year. I wasn't sure I had anything to talk about. And um, then I had to, to, to get it done. And I've been working with concepts for something like 20 years and I thought I wanted to go beyond the language features and language support and actually talk about what's a good concept, how do you use them well, what does this has to do with programming in general. And I have a long-term hope that generic programming will be just programming and I want the support for generic programming to be a similar to the support for ordinary programming Um, and so I I really wanted to be able to say uh, my standard example is sort, sortable uh, ref and that's what you do to say sortable it's just like you say square root of double you should be able to say square root of a number and uh, if it's a template and there's lots of implementations you get that and uh, once you get close to that you then start discussing what what, what is a concept what's the relation between types and concepts um what's the relation between concepts and similar ideas similar concepts in other languages and my ideal answer is that uh, concepts is how to use an object and a uh, types is how to use an object and how to create it, and that's sort of all. And the yeah. closer you can come to that idea, the better off you are.
1: Right. I I think I think it was a great talk, and as I said, got lots of of uh, great great feedback. People were very very pleased, and I think that as we start to get into paradigms like this, you know, we have a lot of talks at CPPCon, and, and a lot of them are focused on language features and things like that, whereas this is kind of a more take a step back and talk about what the entire process is because a lot of people, a lot of people, have never had any formal training in generic, generic programming at all. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about that as, a, as an overall approach is something that we don't have enough of. And, and I think there was, uh, the response from your talk, I think, was, was kind of proof of that.
2: I I thought it was fine. I I looked up this morning, there's uh, 50,000 views, assume that half of them actually viewed it, Uh, (laughs) so that's not bad. And um, I I think a lot of the talks, we uh, tend to get too clever. That is, people who give talks are clever people, experienced people, and they, they very often fall into the trap of talking to themselves. And sometimes we have to step back and say, now, what is it that's important to people that are using this stuff? What's important to the vast majority of people that are not in the top 1% or 2% of programmers? And I was trying to do that. I was not totally successful, but, hey, it has to be tried.
1: (laughs) Well, um, so speaking of the top 1% or 2% of programmers, there was a uh, meeting in San Diego, and uh, got some great results there. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I think the biggest one that that people are talking about is that Rangers got voted in. Mm.
0: Um, standing ovation in the room when that was announced. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, are there any anything you want to talk about specifically in terms of accomplishments there and what we should be looking at for twenty?
2: Sure. Um, first of all, the best quote about the standards meeting was somebody who said uh, traveling across the ocean uh, for the privilege of working 12-hour days for a week on C++ is insanity. Okay. And uh, that's what it felt like, I mean, you, you start working after breakfast or over breakfast and you carry on to roughly midnight with formal meetings ending at 10 o'clock. We were trying very hard to uh, stop the formal meetings at 10 o'clock. This is hard work, even if it's in a nice place. And there was an insane amount of work. Um, I calculated that the amount of uh, words that was in the that we had to look at was about three times the, com- the combined works of Shakespeare. And there was 180 people there. There's legislative bodies that are smaller than that, and we had to make decisions, but. I think we're coming up. There's a chance. If people just keep sane and on track, C++20 will be great. And we will get the complete feature freeze in Kona in February, and then we'll know. Um, I'm very happy about ranges. I'll finally be able to say sort of V instead of sort of V.begin, V.end, which um, well, I haven't done it because I have my own little library that, that shortens that form, but getting it in the standard is, is good. Yeah. And I actually think that the most important feature of um, C++20 uh, will be modules. Um, we uh, haven't voted them into the um, working paper yet, but it's coming along, all the problems are apparently being solved, they're down the details level and the implementations are showing really good performance the general idea is instead of the header file stuff uh, we're going to get proper code hygiene that is you don't leak macros all over the place and um, aliases don't get in the way a type def doesn't spoil your code all of that kind of stuff and in return for better hygiene uh, we get compile time speed and um, uh, the Clang guys report two to four times uh, speed ups. Uh, the Microsoft guys report uh, five to ten times speed up. The numbers are not comparable. The Microsoft implementation is a bit more mature. The uh, Clang implementation, I believe, uses parallelization to a higher degree. So you can't combine them. But look, something like three, four, five times. Um, speed up. So just think of what that will do to your compile farms or your compile times. This is going to be great. And it will also help with the bugs uh, because you, you have to get better hygiene. And this works together with the concepts um, and it, it, it should be really great.
1: Okay, so this is requiring uh, uh, guesswork on your part, but is this going to speed up adoption of more modern versions. In other words, what I'm saying is that I have a feeling, you know, there's some companies that try to stay cutting edge, but there's a lot of companies that have been very, very slow to to adapt C++ because they're looking to say, well, there's some new features, big deal. But you give them a significant build time, that yeah. might actually be enough of a motivation for people to say, oh, wait, 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 this, I, maybe we I do need to update. I certainly hope so.
2: I mean, bean counters don't understand about code quality they think it's something the programmers are are telling them to get better, more time to write code or something like that. But with modules, um, you can say, well, you're running a server farm of 100 computers. How would you like to run 20 instead? Or maybe 30? (laughs) Uh, They can understand that. Just look at your electricity bill. uh, (laughs) That's uh, going to help. Oh, you have problems with your footprint in your server room. We can help. That kind of stuff works. And um, I would like to point out that the the better code hygiene is really good for, for templates when you use concepts. And when you use concepts, you actually compile faster than... Uh, you do with workarounds so there's a great emphasis on the practical aspects of simply getting the code through the compilers faster finding more bugs as you do it and avoiding more bugs when you do it
1: I've got high hopes for 20 um, you seem yes you have high hopes you seem to be smiling um, in the past you've been critical of the speed at which the committee has has processed are you happier with the speed now or are you simply happy with where we are now. I'm happy with where we are. Okay. Um,
2: running an organization with there's 180 people present that means that there's more than 300 people involved. It's really hard and we don't have any reasonable management structures and such. We try very hard. Um, and I would like things to move faster. In particular I would like things that helps in foundational areas to move faster, and I wouldn't actually mind at all if the little details on the side and the minor features moved slower. Um, Some people have heard me going on about the good ship Vasa uh, that sank because people added too many features on it where they should have been working better on the foundational things like the keel. the space for ballast uh, and below water where you can't see anything. And so I would like to shift things in that direction, work better on the foundations. But uh, yeah, people want to work what they want to work on. They're uh, enthusiasts. they're volunteers. It's not something you can say, no, don't do this for a couple of years, do this instead. And then people do get worried about new things when, when I'm saying you should do generic programming just like you do ordinary programming uh, they say but 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 templates uh, fully generic programming um, ref refs um, what about enable if uh, they, they go right into the obscure details that most people shouldn't know about in the first place and that takes time so I'd hoped for concepts in uh, seventeen, but didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, modules were not ready for seventeen, so I'm happy that so far they have not been been postponed. Uh, so so you, the, you the, made... the, the, the totality of what's coming out in C plus plus twenty, when it works, if
1: it works out, should be great. You you made reference to the fact that th- there's so many people. There is. And you also reference to the fact that number of the number of papers, or maybe not the number of papers, but the number of texts, the amount of text to read. Both of them set records in San Diego, and not by a little, uh, quite a bit. You no, know, and and I think, sometimes. yeah, and I think that um, that uh, one of the changes that the that the committee has tried to make to deal with this is uh, is a creation of a couple new subcommittees that they call incubators and. So, for the benefit of those who aren't familiar with the inside of how the committee works, there's essentially um, a core chain and a, li- and a library chain, and um, there's one group that's 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 the inner group that's concerned with actual wording, and then there's a group that's called evolution, and the evolution looks at the bigger picture of the features, and then they forward that to the wording group that makes sure the wording's right. And now we've added something before that, a preprocessor yet before that, which we're calling incubators. Where I think the role of the incubator is to um, to maybe screen out features that aren't quite ready to be seen by the evolution groups, um, and maybe fast track those features that they think, or maybe even combine papers uh, on similar subjects. Did you uh, did you get a good feeling for did you attend any of the incubator sessions? Uh, at San Diego, I,
2: I did not uh, sit into an incubator session. I'm sort of nailed to the floor in uh, evolution.
1: In evolution, right? Sure. Uh,
2: and uh, I, I I observed what they were doing, and uh, maybe this will be uh, be important. But I think they have to func- uh, be not function not focusing on being efficient. On the contrary, they have to be. Uh, focusing on being thoughtful. Um, The purpose is not to get as many proposals through as possible. It is to increase the quality of the proposals and to stem the flood of novelty. A lot of the community is scared stiff about uh, the activity of the committee uh, because they fear a lot of change is coming out. And there's two kinds of change. There's the breaking changes, which we try very, very hard to avoid and usually succeed at avoiding. but people don't believe us when they haven't uh, seen it. And then there's the changes that changes the way you can write code, which, again, um, takes some getting used to, takes some learning. I have never seen a new feature that was useful and powerful that wasn't misused and overused uh, for a <laughs> while until things settled in. And and think think about the educational establishment and such. It takes time for these things to uh, work their way through the system. And so, yes, I want more things, but the focus on the foundational aspects. And then I want them um, backed up with understanding about how to use them. And maybe tool support also and things like that. That takes time. So the, the purpose is not to get the maximum number of, um, of, uh, of features, but on the, on the contrary, to get the highest quality.
1: Right. Well, but on the other hand, um, being able to process papers quickly, particularly separating those that are not really ready for prime time from those that are ready for prime time. I mean, that's, that's a lot of work. It's just because of the sheer amount. It is of papers to do and I I, I sat in on one of the incubator sessions I should say a couple of sessions but one of uh, the library incubator and um, I thought it was I thought it was a great idea and I thought it was a way of getting helping the library evolution group essentially leveraging what it's doing and it it, it could work out very well
2: and I think it may be a better idea for libraries and for language features because libraries can be somewhat isolated from each other whereas foundational features in the language... Um, Interact. ...touches upon everything. Yeah. And one reason I'm sort of cautious and such is that we, we, we have some bottlenecks in the committee, and it's the core working group, and it's the library working group. Everything funnels through there, and each of those has between one dozen and two dozen people who take active part. And if you have feeders, 150 people feeding into those groups, um, you, you, you risk errors and you risk burnout for, mm-hmm. for the people in those cru- crucial groups. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say we have to focus on getting fewer and more higher quality papers to them as opposed to just getting as many as possible with the current uh, level of uh, quality.
0: I spent a couple of days in the, uh, the incubator groups, uh, mostly the you know, the language incubators. And bear in mind that you know, it's the first time we've done them. Uh, I thought they were working really well, according to what, what you've been talking about. One of the questions that was asked a lot is, should we spend more, t- more committee time on this particular proposal right now, or should we you know, put it on the shelf? Um, and you know, quite a few proposals didn't go any further forwards because of that. And those that did then got more time spent uh, literally incubating the design so that what was then forwarded was of a higher quality. So I think that was was working as intended and hopefully we'll get better.
2: I'm not saying it's not working. What I am saying is that given the committee process and the way we work, it will take probably Hmm. a year before we'll know what the net effect is. When you pour something into one end of a pipe, you actually have to wait to see what comes out of the other end of the pipe before you know whether you're successful or not.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't quite have that patience.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things that uh, that Herb does once a year is he gives a report at the committee of the activity of the Standard C++ Foundation, which you're uh, one of the directors of. Yeah. And this year he... He was talking about the, the, the spike in attendance and the spike in the number of, and I shouldn't say a spike, it's, it's much higher, but it seems to be the trend. There's no particular reason to think that the number of people attending, of course, San Diego is continental US, it's easier for some people to travel. So I suspect that this is going to be a high watermark for a little while, but it's not like suddenly it's going to drop off. It's, now, it's that going the to be. almost
2: as many in Rapidsville.
1: Yeah, we are at a, this is the new normal. Right, um, mm-hmm. yep. but, what Herb, but what Herb showed in his uh, in his talk was he he showed a correlation, if not causation, with um, the the work of the Standard C plus plus Foundation, whose job it is to promote C plus plus and also mm-hmm. the holding of uh, conferences, CPPCon, and. Uh, I would love to think that all the credit goes to CPPCon, but I don't think it's. I don't think causation no. is, is 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 as strong there as correlation. I think that just having a new language, because we're basically talking about C plus you know, this is this has grown so much since the C plus plus eleven timeframe, so yeah, that got my... people excited. And I think that switching to a three year cycle also by itself just generates a certain amount of, of interest because mm-hmm. people start to see things happening within a. Time frame that is easier to understand than the longer cycles that we saw previously. So sure. all this long-winded stuff to, to bring up is I want to talk about not just what we have been talking about, which is the committee, but the entire community. Right? There's so much more in the active part of the community, and by active, I'm talking about people who are doing podcasts like this one and and CPP uh, people who are doing user groups. The number of user groups since 2011 is much, much higher, and we just went through a roll call of conferences. And it's not just the number of conferences. When we started CppCon, it had about 600 attendees, and that was the largest gathering of C++ developers that had ever happened. 600 was the biggest number of C++ programmers in one place at one time. However, five years later now... We have at least two other conferences that have more than 600 attendees. Uh, C++ Russia had over 800 attendees, and I think C++ now had closer to 700 than 600. They had over 650. Um, there's just a lot more going on in the community. You want to? And then, and then there's all sorts of new things as well. We've just mentioned uh, three conferences that we that are on the schedule now that we haven't held yet. C++ on C, the China CppCon, and core C++.
2: Yeah, we should mention that when you see the list of uh, user group meetings that uh, Jens uh, has been producing, there's always been sort of more than one per day in a month. Um, One of the problems that the C++ community has always had is that it hasn't been a community. Uh, we didn't have an owner, we didn't have a budget, and uh, community building is not one of my strengths. Uh, <laughs> and we didn't have a center. Every uh, vendor uh, tried to create their own community and fighting with others. That was a problem. And we knew that. Uh, also, we noticed that uh, standards came every 10 years, except the it was more like 12 or 13 for yeah. C++ 11, right? And so some of us knew this was wrong. Herb uh, took some initiatives, I backed them up. He suggested the, um, the train model. Um, I helped get the, the, the frequency down because I had observed that if it takes N years to do it, uh, then people will push for a delay because otherwise they have to wait, wait N plus 1 or N plus 2 years. So I thought, 10? No, that's not good. That becomes 12. 5 or 6 becomes 6 or 8. We have to get it down. So we got 3. Uh, I liked Herb's original um, idea of a major followed by minor, followed by major, which allowed us to get major features in and then polish them based on experience. That's not working perfectly, but we'll see. Um, and that created the excitement you, ha- you had, and the fact that we have more to talk about um, helps. And then there's a self-reinforcing thing. When people meet, they talk about things, and then they get more things to talk about, and they can go to other conferences and talk again. Uh, both speakers and um and, and, and people that are attending, and people sometimes turn from attendees to speakers and vice versa. Uh, so, this this is really good. Well, I think, uh, I think the foundation had something to do with it.
1: Uh, I hope so. Yeah. i spending right. some time on it, but yes. Well, and I think CPPCon, and not just CPPCon by itself, but I think people attending conferences, getting to meet face to face with people on the committee, mm-hmm. having them talk about that, you know, things like Grill the Committee. Which is yeah. you know a ritual at this point, but but people begin to understand. Oh, the committee is just made up of people, and maybe I could be one of those people. And I think that exposing people on the committee as speakers, as attendees at conferences, lets people talk about uh, and think about that, and it gives them a reason to say well, maybe I should go to my boss and make the case that I should be going to the committee to represent my company. And I, 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 I would like to, as I said, I, I, obviously CPPCon can't take all the credit, but I would like to think that there's a role being played there of putting people in the room with other C++ developers. And as you say, they start talking about things, and then when they talk about things, ideas happen, and you know, papers come out of that.
2: And um, one thing I would like to see at these conferences is is, is more application talks. We had a really nice application talk uh, keynote at CPPCon about graphics and uh, movies, that kind of stuff. A couple of years ago, we had the Mars Rovers. Um, I, I think we shouldn't just look at the language, we should look at the way the language is being used. That's sort of one direction I would like to see things developing that will also bring in more people because they will be interested in how their kinds of applications are being done. There are a large group of people who think that sort of conferences and language design has nothing to do with their
1: everyday lives, and they are wrong. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree very much and was delighted that. Um, Mark Ellen, who, who was the Academy Award winner, who gave that talk. He's talking about Houdini software that's been used in all these, um, all these you know award-winning motion pictures that use CGI, which today is so many of them. Um, he was excited about being CPPCon, and I think he plans to to just be an attendee, whether he's giving the keynote or not. And and that's this is what excites me. I'd love to see more people from that industry. I think there's a lot of of interest. And there's a lot of industries where C is important in that industry, but but the rest of us don't necessarily know about. Yeah. You know, as as a mainstream C developer, I don't know about all the industries that exactly, C and critical.
2: Exactly. I was uh, surprised to see that the Matrix is programmed in C, and that's a little bit scary. <laughs> 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 um.
1: I didn't uh um uh, I, I should ask you about this. Uh you said that um uh, you uh you feel like you're I don't know what exactly what's it nailed to the evolution group. Uh do you do you feel like you miss out by not being able to see some of the other committees in oh, action? Oh, or oh, de-
2: oh definitely.
1: Um
2: yeah. I, I think one of the problem areas in the committee is that there's not not enough overlap between library evolution and evolution. There's a lot of issues that cross over the library uh, language uh, divide. It shouldn't be a divide, it should be uh, something that tied the language together. Like, uh, tell me, why is variant a library thing as opposed to a, a language thing?
0: Like a, a uh, you better could, union you could,
2: kind of thing. You could do it either way.
0: Yeah. There, there is a proposal that's... for a uh, language variant that, that didn't quite get discussed in you, San you Diego.
2: Mean pa- you mean the pattern matching stuff?
0: Uh, it was alongside the pattern matching stuff. In fact, pattern yeah. matching was pushed up ahead of it. So yeah, that's why we didn't get I, to talk about it this time.
2: I, I, I gave the first presentation on pattern matching about five years ago. But been you, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: so... Uh, yes, I wanted to be in more places, but, but I can't. The yeah, uh, yeah. cloning
0: technology is not quite up there yet. <laughs> not if it's written in C. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: not, not anywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe that's actually, a good thing. Um, so I was in Library Evolution. I'm kind of thinking, I, I've been thinking about something that we did. And I think we made a mistake, and that is that we, we got something that was referred, and it was, I can't remember exactly what it was called, um, in is constexpr evaluated or something like that. But it was the, the, the idea was great. It was a way of, of asking and saying, is this constexpr function actually being evaluated at compile time or is it being evaluated at runtime? And that's a valid and interesting thing to do. Um, and the, the proposal that came to library evolution was saying, well, we know that we've got this feature and we're trying to figure out what it should be called. There wasn't really much discussion about it. Whatever the name was seemed to be appropriate. Um, But the other thing was, um, it's called is constant evaluated. Yeah. And, um, And should it be, what header should it be in? And one of the possibilities was, well, maybe it won't be in any header at all. The compiler just is supposed to know about this function. And We discussed that and the biggest killer was that uh, um, it was pointed out that that means that the compiler also has to know about STD and the STD namespace. And that was more of a concern than that the compiler would know about a particular function. But I think, and I didn't say this at the time because it hadn't occurred to me at the time, it felt wrong somehow to have this in the library in a weird way. And now I'm more convinced as I've thought about it, this should be an operator. You know, operators like size of or, or decal type, I mean, we're asking something of the compiler. We're, you know, it's, it looks like a function, but it's really an operator. It's asking the compiler something at compile time. And I think this should be that. I mean, think about this. If it was in the library, if it wasn't inline and wasn't constexpr, it actually wouldn't be useful. You couldn't use it. It has to be an inline constexpr function. And it pretty much has to be an operator in order for this to really work. And so I think we made a mistake by making it, by putting it in the standard library. We should have just said, no, no, it's an operator. And it's not in any header. It, it, it's just like size of. Um, and uh, just cur- a, just a
2: cur- Curiously enough, I discussed this with somebody at work today. And um, I actually think it's quite reasonable the way it is. Uh, look at it some other way. I don't think this is something that most people should ever use it uh, belongs deep in the foundational parts of libraries and do you really want separate operators uh, for for things that uh, are very rarely used i'm actually quite a fan of intrinsics and uh, i don't think it matters I think it may very well have been the right thing to do, and if you had invented an operator or another keyword or something like that, that was also have been all right. I think having a facility was the important thing i was not at all sure and we went through a couple of meetings talking about it and i kept saying is it useful enough do we have enough cases and david van der water pointed out i think he had seven thousand uh, cases and some of the foundational libraries maybe it was 700 there was some large number but it was clear that his code base was coming unmanageable and he needed the help and so I agreed. this was a good thing, and we must have it. But exactly how it looks, it doesn't matter.
1: Oh, I agree. If this, if, if this stays the way it's proposed, which it probably will, it's not like it's going to ruin anything. It's just it's one of those things. It was just occurred to me, because when, I, when it was first proposed, it just seemed wrong to me. I was like, but I couldn't put my finger on it. It just seemed like, it doesn't feel like a library call to me. It and as seems... I think about it more, it seems more like an operator to me. It
2: seemed wrong to me, but from functional uh, reasons. I didn't think it was necessary. Once I've decided it's necessary, I just want it with the least amount of fuss and the least amount of um, teaching problems. And I think this is in the ballpark. If some people are going to complain that it's not an operator, if I've made an operator, people would have uh, wanted uh, it not to be an operator and they'll find ways of overloading the operator with other meanings, all kinds <laughs> of stuff. Uh, no, we're we, we falling into the trap of spending most of the time on uh, on an obscure detail.
0: And maybe the other way to look at it is now that we have constexpr functions, some things that are currently operators, if, we're, if we implemented them from scratch today, maybe they wouldn't be. Like size yes. up, for example.
2: You're, you're, you're right about that. Uh, one thing I should point out that um, when we started context constexpr functions, it was probably the one feature that was hardest opposed in the standards committee. It was claimed loudly and repeatedly over years that constexpr functions, compile time evaluated functions were uh, useless and unimplementable. And once we got it, people changed their mind a bit. And then we saw the explosion in people want everything at compile time, and uh, partly as a joke I pointed out, I could get compile time uh, threads.
0: Um, (laughs) So the the, the
2: question is, what is actually useful? And uh, now I think we are getting to understand things a bit more. The, The set of Features that was approved in uh, for C plus plus twenty in San Diego are not a random set. It is a set of features that together point towards a more unified view of the language. For instance, you can use user defined types as template argument, template type, template value arguments, which is something. We've been trying to uh, do for 20 years. Uh, now we can do it because of constexpr functions, and the constexpr functions are becoming essential for the future of um, of, of reflection, static reflection. Um, it's it's feeding into there. So it's not just people wanting everything constexpr. We actually th- little bit more thoughtful about it, and it, it has a direction. The features together are more important than any individual feature.
1: Well, I, yeah, I think that you know the compiler, the, the demands that is placed on the C++ compiler, it, it's this monstrous, it knows so much. And yeah. there's so many questions we would like to ask it, which we can't ask. I mean, the compiler knows. It, Roll it, it knows, what's that? A on C plus plus twenty three. Twenty is not the end of the world. Oh oh oh! I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, no, no no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making a plea for a particular feature at a particular time. I'm just simply saying that that the that the compiler knows all this information. It has to. It's this incredible mm-hmm. machine. We're putting so yeah. much requirements on it. It knows so much, and there's there's so much we could do if we could. Figure a way to ask the question, and of course, um, for a and given compiler, you can always out. make a. What's that? No, no, no. We
2: are figuring it
1: out. That's what oh, static yeah, yeah, reflection yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's not yeah, easy. Yeah.
2: That's why it's twenty-three, it, not twenty.
1: Right, right. And I think that uh, I think that the what we can do in, in static reflection is going to be is going to be really cool. It, it just it's going to open up all sorts of opportunities. It will,
2: and first of all, it'll solve some simple problems for us. Uh, most of the uses of runtime reflection is, uh, are expensive and leads to, to bad code, uh, but there are a couple of really important use cases that will be handled by the simplest versions of static reflection, and those are the ones I'm looking more forward to. Uh, what I fear is, as usual, Give some people of... get to do
1: really clever things with them, and uh, that that can be a problem. What kinds of what kinds of what are these uh, uh, runtime t- run uh, reflections that you're talking about that that are now, that are, if, if that you are go worthwhile? To, to most be languages,
2: I mean, um, um, Java would be one. Uh, you you can get a description of your type system as basically a graph and you can walk that graph. And so your programs move away from the source text into a graph walk of a program structure, which can do really nice things like um, writing. You, you can write, read and write every structure. That's how you do JSON, for instance. Um, and, and that's good. The problem is that now you can't read your source text or your program to see what it's doing because it has turned into an interpreter and it's been turning into an ad hoc interpreter, so it's slow and buggy. Um, If we can take the important and useful parts of what's being done there, like saying, give me a JSON writer and give me a JSON um, reader, and we can write that in a piece of uh, static um, reflection code in, I don't know how many lines it'll be, 10, 15, 20, uh, that kind of order and then it's there, boof, we've got it. And I can read 15 lines of code, I, I cannot read a complete interpreter running a one arbitrary graph.
0: So would you say that any sufficiently complicated constexpr function contains an ad hoc, informally specified, bug-ridden, slow implementation of half of common Lisp?
2: I wouldn't. Um, that's uh, the generality that I fear. Yes, and I knew that one was coming, and it's one of the oldest jokes in the in the
1: in the, in the field. Didn't
0: want to disappoint.
1: Yes, uh, much appreciated. Um, <laughs> so, so we're waiting until we can send email at compile time. Is that the ultimate? Uh... <laughs> can we do that? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I think I could do that. Sure, sure. Get an email saying, you know, this no, this code no, looks you, really you, bad. You get the compiler <laughs> p- to call some other uh, program sure.
2: that's the emailer. It's not that hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I, uh, my son wrote a program where the ultimate exception handler sent him an email saying the system is going down. There you go. Now we just he need can to... do it in his system, which had nothing to do with this. I can do it in the compiler. I used yeah, to write compilers, sure. right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so what else should we be talking about? What are, you, what are you thinking about that's not necessarily the committee, but C++ in general, the, the feel of, of what's going on in the world of C++? Um, there is one other topic we could get to maybe before that, and that is that we did have a, an evening session in San Diego on education, and we started a new study group specifically yeah. to look at education issues. This is something a little outside of what we normally expect the standard to be. I don't think this, this committee is going to necessarily be, um, you know, coming up with wording that will go in the standard at any point. But it may be that this committee will make comments about, about teachability or things like that. Um, I, I, think I think it's it reflects an idea. Right. Yeah. Because
2: we have the people that are interested and to whom it's important to do certain things in the committee traditionally we have followed the iso rules for languages and talked only about languages now we're talking about tools we're talking about education we're talking about application areas because we have the critical mass of interest and um, individuals in this particular uh, case there's two people that was, was working on it and they're being very very active now And one of the things we would like to see is recommendations for curricula, not this uh, imitation Java or um, C with a few extra features. But but using the experience we've got and making materials available for teachers. uh, Professors are very, very busy. They don't have the time to prepare. So we have to help them. And uh, I I know that and Bello uh, and Christian uh, van Winkle, who are, who are leading up this effort, is already in contact with quite a few uh, teachers now out in the, the world, and uh, I, I, I have hope for that. Um, as, as you all probably know, I've been teaching C in at various levels for forever, including uh, beginning programmers, and mostly these days I do. Um, I do graduate students, but uh, as, early, as late as five years ago, I was mostly doing freshmen. Uh, so, so I have some
1: experience there, and I'm, I have hope for that group. So, um, the the class you're doing in Columbia is a graduate class.
2: It's actually uh, half last year undergrads, half uh, graduate students.
1: Uh, tell us a little about this class. What is the class?
2: Well, it's uh, it's. Well, it's it's called design uh, using C++ or something like that. Uh-huh. So it is what I think is interesting in the space where you have C++, we have C++ libraries, we have C++ language features. How do you design things? How do you evaluate things? How do you describe a design? Uh, how do you present a design? It's, uh, it's a good excuse for me to talk about things that... I find interesting at the time. There's a core of things, that, so I have to bring them up to speed for C++. Most people have either been not taught much C++ or they have been mistaught. And so I use two weeks to bring them up to snuff. And uh, I give them the uh, tour of C++, uh, which is now in the second edition, and I use that to, to they They read it in two weeks, and they uh, write something about it. and I use that as a diagnostic test. And based on what I learn about that group of students, uh, i I gear some of the other lectures and the exercises. And at the end, they have to do a project, three- person project ideally which ends up with documentation, with the uh, code, with the uh, examples, with a tutorial, with design documents, a whole project completed. And that usually works very nicely.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. That sounds
1: great. I can't um, take
2: that many students though because, well, well then I wouldn't time understand what's too. going on.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so getting back to the question that I asked you earlier before I started I interrupted myself to talk about education. What comments or thoughts do you have about what C++ is doing outside of what the committee is doing? In other words, talking about uh, the community, which you said you're not much of a, a community organizer. I, I think that's kind of what Phil and I want to be able to do. Uh, but what what's going on that you see and happy about or not happy about?
2: I'm not very good at community things. I, I learned that the hard way. Um, and uh, so what I'm more interested in is what is C++ being used at for? What what is its strength in those areas? How can we compensate for its weaknesses? How can we increase the strength? And I keep falling back uh, on the old idea that C++ is there to deal with hardware at the low level and then abstract away from it with zero overhead, and that's where its real strength is. And if you look out in the world. That's where it is spreading. I mean, there's more C++ programmers today than there ever was, and um, if you look at the areas that, that I'm most interested in, I mean, you, you see the the cars and the planes and the spaceships. Um, they they have this. Uh, interface between the hardware and the software where, where i'm always interested if you look at facebook and google yes that's where they are again they need to use their uh, hardware optimally they use need to use the concurrency facilities optionally they use, need to use their caches optionally this is not just a, a dumb model of the hardware that you, then then you can ignore the hardware that's where c++ strength is And if you look at something like the concurrency group and the work done there, that has a lot to do with that. And I think we will eventually see work on on new uh, architectures to be able to use uh, memory better. Um, So what I'm trying to say is you you have application areas with challenges and uh, solutions. And then you look at those and see how you can support them better. That, that's the, the the feedback loop between applications and uh, language and library design. And when it works, you get more users. I fear uh, a drag where people try and do things the old way and wanting more support for the old way, uh, like uh, some of the stuff in the game industry um, is working uh, based on... Um, models of programming that was put in place 20 years ago, Uh, they could do much, much better by writing a more modern style of C++. Sorry, I'm sitting at home and there's (laughs) things happening like nuisance phone calls. If if anybody has a way of uh, stopping nuisance phone calls, I would like to know it. Um, (laughs) That's a technological problem coming from computers and they are getting too good at it. Um, not everything we do is used for, for good purposes.
1: Well, you know talk to your friends at Bell Labs about that. That's uh... <laughs> no, Bell Labs is
2: gone. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was the greatest place on earth for that kind yeah. of practical engineering.
1: Yeah. Um, well, time has whizzed by. We need to think about wrapping this yeah. up. Um, But I appreciate you taking the time, talking to us about not just what the committee's doing, but also kind of uh, what's going on in the community. And um, I'm intrigued by, I really want to follow up, but we'll have to do it some other time. I wanted to ask you about um, the kinds of programming paradigms that you see the game industry doing that you think could be uh, modernized. But we'll have to talk about that let, let's moving. keep this but, one
2: vague and let the people in the games industry try and beat up on me and see what happens <laughs> <we> sure will <laughs> yeah they're not, they're not shy, shy.
0: <laughs> the golden net has been laid down
1: i have pro- i have uh, put down a challenge for them okay all right um well uh phil was there a topic that i needed to cover or that you wanted to
0: no i think we I think we covered it all now
1: yeah great great okay well uh, then let's bring this to close. I think we started pretty close to on time. It looks like we're finishing pretty close to on time. This, this is could a, be a first, yeah. Yeah, this could <laughs> be a first for us. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I encourage you to join me to wish all of our listeners and viewers uh, safe coding. Safe coding. Safe coding. Bye.